when we are doing the will of our true self, we are inevitably doing the will of the universe. In magic, these are seen as indistinguishable. That every human soul is in fact one human soul. It is the soul of the universe itself. And as long as you are doing the will of the universe, then it is impossible to do anything wrong. My name is Rebel Roz, and this is Prag Magic. In this podcast, we will journey through the investigation and application of metaphysical means to enhance and inspire what I consider to be the great unifying purpose of our short human existence, the creative process. And it's my intention to learn and reveal exercises that ex-hex those inner oppressive thought patterns as well as exorcising those lurking psychic vampires. So join me as I consort the unseen as means for getting the fuck out of creative stagnation. Stagnation that bewitches each and all of us, artists or not. On this episode, you'll be hearing my conversation with Brother Jimbo and some live music by brilliant outsider artist Lloyd Daylight. This conversation and Lloyd Daylight's performance were both recorded live at the Waypost in Portland, Oregon for what was We the Hallowed's monthly residency, also known as Wayward Worship. Some of you might have heard the following episode before as part of the Wayward Worship podcast, which was the proto-Pragmagic podcast, if you will. But this conversation and this performance is absolutely too endearing, too transcendental to go die a slow, painful death in the digital ether that is the backlog of SoundCloud. So with iTunes and all this podcast hosting coming for Pragmagic, uh, allow me to reshare this brilliant night of art, music, and holy guardian angels. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Brother Jimbo, as well as music from Lloyd Daylight. When did you realize that there were things beyond this corporal reality? 
I got lucky and sleep paralysis took me. <laughs> Word. I know all about that. Yeah, it seems like it's a common one lately, but at maybe five or six, I would start getting sleep paralysis and then hearing nada, or I was told later that it was nada, the sound of sounds. Holy shit. And hear voices that would speak a sort of angel language. <laughs> it was sort of overwhelming as a child, right? So was there like a consistent... Uh like vocabulary or like a linguistic thing that you know no, no, it wasn't anything like kind of glossolalia yes okay. yeah totally but but he heard glossolalia wow. and then started getting uh past life regressions for lack of a better word as as a kid you know like right before falling asleep all the time and so i i went to my i was raised lutheran and so i went to my pastor and my parents and all these people and asked them and about said, these experiences Get out of here, you heretic. and they said that's that's wrong <laughs> and i knew i was onto something there you go. So yeah, it started and there. That's, that's how rock and roll was created. Aye. Uh, so when you're when you're talking about uh, these experiences, like I'm really interested to know how to call it sleep paralysis is almost kind of like a, a scientific kind of mm -hmm. damning of what might be happening. Sure. Was it? Are you just saying that to kind of? Are you calling it sleep paralysis to kind of uh, to give it a general? agnostic agnostic okay cool. yeah since I, I mean i'm not even really 100 percent convinced yet it's right. like a game that continues through life of hide and seek or something you yeah know? i was gonna gonna say because i i read your like article about hga and we'll get into the uh, holy garden and angel thing sure. later but in it i remember you saying that uh it's not just your subconscious you, you don't want to be uh, just beholden to a scientific idea mm -hmm. of what's happening. And have you carried that through like all of your experiences henceforth? Or I think having a healthy skepticism at all times is great, but that that word has come to be a little bit too laden with aggression maybe. And so it's more like um, trepidation or something like that. Yeah. I think um, it's, it's, it's smart, mm -hmm. right? Uh, what's that Robert Anton Wilson quote? He, he wants to. It's not. He wants to make everyone agnostic, and it's not just about God, about everything. Yeah, maybe. Right? Yeah, everything is maybe. Everything I, is maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I forgot to mention that you're you're a man of many talents. You've got uh, music, writing, uh, muralism, right? You, oh, I don't make murals. I just I'm a huge fan of oh, okay. the locals. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So you're just kind of cataloging. Yeah. I mean, it's really about place for me. That the thing that the mystical or the spiritual really has brought to my life is an understanding of life outside of time that that might be our weird trip as humans is that we're inside of it and only move one direction through it right so like we're, we're thinking about it almost in uh, in selfish terms yeah very you know human terms and so if music is the way we decorate time then art is the way we decorate space right so sure i'm not much of a visual artist in terms of uh, paint but the project of brother jimbo is largely about a silence of sorts and the art and the way that i'm presenting it in a sort of magritte way of concealing my face and and moving through cards as it were the the idea is a sort of um giving expression to silence. I was going to say, there's a lot of, like, I feel John Fahey kind of... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and I, I love it. Can we, let's talk about what you're doing acoustically with the Sunday sessions, because I've noticed you have a website, and you do these, like... Oh, it, they're not, like... They're, like, almost musical lectures to a degree. <laughs> am I, am I, I wrong? In, no, no, that? absolutely. The, the whole idea of Brother Jimbo came about in a sort of spiritualist way, in that 
I wouldn't call myself like a Unitarian or anything like that, but I definitely hold a, a sort of humanist value above everything else that um, if it's not humanist, then I'm not really interested. I think that, that harkens back to what we were talking about earlier about theology and it is really humanist and it's a search mm -hmm. for kind of this ancestral I idea of what humanist, humanism is, right? Yeah. So when you're using, explain to me when uh, you do these Sunday sessions, you hold up these cards. Now, mm -hmm. what are these cards? This is just a wonderful rainbow deck by Fredericks and May that they created that sort of, you know, for everyone that's here that can see. It's, it's a just 52 a, card deck. Just a standard 52 card deck. And I wanted to kind of break free from the elemental ideas of this is swords and this is discs and so on. And so going through this deck has sort of freed me from Kabbalah and tarot and, and all see, of that, yeah. since that's been a huge anchor for me you in know, my and, past. Uh, and hoodoo, they use playing cards. Yeah. And so, like, when you draw a card before one of your Sunday sessions, which, for those that don't know, it's, it's you playing, are these, uh, comp these are compositions of mm -hmm. yours, and it's every Sunday, and you do a YouTube video that kind of just, you're, you're inspired by a card that you pull. Or it's, it's more like a time marker than anything. Again, like decorating time and space, and so finding a way to make a marker for time. Um, I DJ too, and right, I, right. I make that head? head beast. Head beast, yeah. Yeah, and so the way that I'm cataloging those is in a similar fashion that like music dated to this time. It's not as much a theme of emotion or any of that as this present place in time. I see, like uh, that's that's kind of my anchor when it comes to a lot of this knowledge is trying to organize it in such a way that I can feed the beast not to use the term again but like mm. to feed the beast without getting lost in the void nice and so organizing it in that such a way it's almost it's not unlike pulling a tarot card every day and just kind of learning it as you go or seeing how it you know erupts into your day and Surely. how have you found that this like quote unquote magical practice has influenced i don't know composition or well, the idea with the Sunday sessions and what I'm going for kind of is to create a spectrum and hence the rainbow cards and showing art and time and all of those things. Um, but the spectrum is of the musical system that I've created across years. So from the very beginning of my musical practice, it, I mean, music and mysticism kind of converged at 13 for me. That was like they both started at the same time. I found Buddhism and all these things musically that linked uh, sound to consciousness and it just took off from there. So all of my musical projects have been sort of an exploration of opening that consciousness wider and wider and seeing how far it expands. And I think I hit the limit back in college, and now I have... As uh, most do. Yes, if they're lucky. Yeah, right. So, so like, now yeah. it's a system that I'm exploring. So we, we met through Ezra Sanzerbell, yes, who wrote a book called Astro Music, and it really is about the confluence between like, you know, the Kabbalah and the Zodiac mm -hmm. with with musical theory and like you said you discovered him too like through that avenue am i right yeah so you just kind of inherently knew that there was a a confluence between you know the patterns of the zodiac or the patterns of you know mystical thinking and the math of musical theory that's a big part of Ezra's videos, and I definitely found and pursued his work via those interests. 
um, at that time, I was really interested in corresponding numbers and letters and those sorts of things to beats and, and making a sort of sigilized music. Um, anymore, the system has developed into one of my own. Um, it came from jazz and blues and rock and esoteric and, and then Hindustani eventually yeah. to eventually come back around to Western music training. And the, uh, the exploration is one of gradualness and modes. And so I, am, I love that you called it a lecture. That's really neat because it is sort of like a, a silent sermon or a musical sermon. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's honestly how I take uh, moving kind of art to mm -hmm. me is that it's, it's, it's sitting me down and telling me something. And like rummaging through your Sunday sessions, I was like, holy shit, this is, this is a wordless lecture. You know, this, there is... I, I'm really fascinated by how you discern time with the cards as it correlates to music. You oh, know? oh, sure. So the 52 cards was supposed to correspond to 52 weeks, but as you right. said, I, I do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And so when I got to the end of Hearts, I put a pause on the Sunday sessions. But the goal was to create a sort of yearly rotational out of them. So 52 Sundays in a year and 52 cards in the deck. Wow. And so then the cards would become more of the marker than the title for the song. Okay. Yeah. And like, uh, let's, let's just get right into the uh, HGA from that. Yeah. So like, uh, obviously, you've, you've dived into other um, kind of esoteric thinkings. I mean, Aleister Crowley seems to be a, an, uh, an anchor point or a, ba a base kind of point for a lot of people that are interested mm -hmm. in these modes. And... Uh, what I really want to ask you, and for people that don't know, the HGA means Holy Guardian Angel, and this could be discerned as literally a guardian angel or your higher self, or how, how do you feel like you've contacted, and what, what is it to you? I'm still not 100% sure, but it's been something that has come in and out of my life and where Thelema made so much sense to me when I read it was as a cosmology of the difference between the infinitely small point and the infinitely expansive void yeah. and the tension between those as Rahur Kuit and those things as the, the dawning of an age of individual responsibility and knowing in your heart of hearts what that responsibility is yeah. beyond words and language and descriptions and reason. What a weird prophet for these Seriously. sort of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, when you're talking about uh, the Holy Guardian Angel, how, how is, what is your communion with that? What, uh, is it a daily practice? Is it an actual, you know, avenue to something that you're talking to? Like, what, what is that to you? I was just talking about this with my friend that there's a singular and a multiple way of approaching a lot of this. And I think of the HGA as the singular, mm -hmm. that it's even though it's a multiple path, the HGA is sort of a shell on the way to crossing the void and reaching enlightenment or ipsissimus or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And the multiple would be playing around with, uh, you know, earthly magics, so to speak. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving the pieces of the board around versus going vertically off of the board. And I sort of think a balance of both is what uh, Crowley was up to and what he really advocated, no matter what he said. What he did was both. I mean, to the extreme. Yeah. Yeah. And so to me, it's more of, again, that expansive consciousness thing of getting to the point where the monkey mind is strong, but it's not in control. 
and going beyond to the point where a crownable personality arises within the consciousness. So you do think there is like a supra-self? That there is just an inherent self? I don't think that it's inside of us because I don't think that consciousness arises from a chemical reaction that we have. Right. I think we're more like a quantum radio or something. And so that the super-self isn't... It is inside of us as a potentiality, but it is technically outside of us as a flowing of that greater energy into the being. When do you find, like, I know through music, this is how... There's a lot of avenues of how I've gotten to experience this sort of thing. I mm. mean, I like my quote-unquote magics with a little preternaturality. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that when I'm, when I'm singing or when I'm playing, it's like, a, you know, the runner's high, if mm. you will. I know that I hit it. Like, there it is. It has engulfed me. I am, I am that. Like, wh- when does that happen for you? Well, that's how my music system came about, I think, was that when I heard Hindustani music and I really actually heard it for the first time, it just completely stole me. And so I studied it for a number of years, and it was through that that I found a way to convey my nada experiences or, like, the sound of sounds through creating a drone. So I, I tune in such a way that I have a drone on the bottom or on the top, depending on which way that I play. So even though I'm playing, and then I, I anchor to a particular mode or scale so that I can just explore that. Sometimes I have a direct composition that has a statement to make, and sometimes it's go as far into that zone as possible. I mean, and there is something about like, you know, Mississippi Delta, and like Skip James and all that. Like, yeah. that's exactly what they did. Yep. That is exactly what they did. So there is like some uh, ever-loving kind of connection to something outside of themselves but it's still them you Mm -hmm. know and what i'm interested in is is like what what have you found what what modes what what ideas have you found that really resonate with you in that in the musical theorem so the college that i went to was the ali akbar college of music and ali akbar khan was the guy who created it and he had an interview where someone asked him do you believe in god and he said, I believe in ascending and descending. Nice. As above, so below. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say that's the way that I've approached it. That I don't feel exclusive to a scale or key or any of that. Anymore. Right, right. Yeah. It's, it's like forever changing. It's transmutating. That yeah. There's this kind of nudge to transfer your energies through a lot of different mediums. Mm-hmm. And as someone that suffers from this as well... <laughs> How, how do you find, like, the meditation to, to kind of organize or, you know, like, understand where um, you can hit that point in different mediums? I think that's the great challenge. Right. I, I was skipped by the Adderall prescribing doctors, <laughs> but I think they probably could have had another one in me. Yeah, me um, too, buddy. But it's, uh, it's a lot about just managing attention that doesn't want managed and yeah. setting up sort of uh, traps for it. And mm-hmm. so the way that a lot of people approach altars is kind of the way I have to approach my life. Like, I know people yeah. will have, like, a wealth altar on the piano in the entryway, and then, you know... Very organized, you know... Yeah. Uh, uh, focus for yep. the modicum of little things, you know? Yeah, so my desk is chaos, but it's a chaos I understand, yes. and there are stacks of... Of work, uh-huh. and so when the urge strikes me, I have the instant readiness to that work. I'm the same way. Um, I am a, I'm a clutter freak when it comes to papers and books. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everything else should be 
pristine mm-hmm. because the cleaner it is, the more papers and books I can put up. <laughs> Wayward Worship is brought to you by the Portland, Oregon-based art collective and open-source art religion, We the Hallowed. To learn more about We the Hallowed's mission to haunt on long after we're gone through artistic ideas and output, celebrating the confluence between the metaphysical and the artistic process, visit wethehallowed.org. Ladies and gentlemen, Lord Daylight. life and HGA and all these experiences a lot as a sort of guidance towards a conscious dying process. Mm -hmm. That's what I've come to do the most. And so one of the things that's become the most important is to create an air of celebration around my entire life. Oh, yes. And so when I found EDM, and it's embarrassing to say that. No, it isn't. (laughs) But when I saw... If it sings to you. The, the embarrassing part is that it came through the Electric Daisy Carnival documentary. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. We're good. We're done. I'm just I don't even know what that is. No, it's it's a very uh, a very poppy version of all of this music, and it it just the the electronic music scene had captivated me when I was a kid, learning to produce music. But I, I've always been a guitarist. That's always been the core of it. And yeah. 
when I heard the new noises and the new computer possibilities with production, it just captivated me in such a way that I wanted to share it, but didn't have the time to learn Ableton all over again and so how, dive into that. How does this correlate? Because as someone that's like, uh, I think really in tune with kind of the history of, if we're going to break down into, I don't know, um, an afterlife kind of speak, there is like memory echoed in things that are created, right? So mm. how is that correlating with digital? Is there a freedom oh, to that? Oh, that's neat. That's a neat idea. Um, I, I really think that the ideas we have about consciousness are pretty limited and that really we're, we're more like a lot of pieces of one really big thing or lots of really big things or, or who knows what really, honestly. It's almost, it almost should be celebrated how human it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, there's a reason that we're in this limited space and exploring these limitations, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, every time I take fun. myself too seriously, a friend tells me, we're here for a good time, not for a long time. Uh -huh. like, don't try to be too healthy. Don't try to get it right. Just have a good time. There is an old term called Keats in it, and it was because of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to, to touch base. Like, what, what do you, we, all this talk about consciousness, about, do you think there is a, uh, do you, what I like to say is that we're kind of fractions of a mutated strain of consciousness and a temporary identity, you know? Mm. And I could also, I could use that to my benefit and I could also use that to my dire, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so what is this to you? What is the charade? I like that you call it a charade because that gives the impression of acting, and I, I sort of think that there's a, I think we, a we, story. Yeah, we, we, we kind of prescribe ourselves to patterns that we've either learned or that we just kind of made for ourselves. It's just patterns, you know? Yeah, and the, in terms of seizing on these energies or, or playing along with them or whatever, I think that a lot of the folks that use them to their benefit are very aware of their patterns and aware of their story, and that those who end up in their, their dire have a sort of uh, mistaken identity going on about what story they're living. And is that, but is that such a mistake though? You know, it's almost like you're getting the, the wealth of the human experience if you have multiple personality disorder. Yeah, in a zero-sum game, it's all right, <laughs> right. in the end. <laughs> well, amazing, man. Uh, let's talk about what's like coming up in the future. Like, what, what are you up to uh, these days, other than the Sunday sessions, the acoustic sessions, you got a podcast. Yeah, for about a year, a bunch of us have been gathering in secret, and we're finally ready to go public. Nice. Uh, yeah. So you have like an archive of of just something diatribe. like that. Oh yeah, we we are are ready for for the giving, but it's all got to be very casual because as you're finding local organization is even difficult, and we're all spread all over the world yeah. in this group. So <clears throat> yeah. Um, it's kind of been the, the story of my wild. life. Um, yeah, crowd goes wild. Yay, <laughs> clap! Oh, hey, Justin. How are you? Welcome. I can now single out people in the audience. Um, but what I was going to say was, with how, how are you about archiving, and then are you potentially just going to release these conversations that you had? Like, do you not feel removed from them, or you've kind of transcended some of the things that you've discussed in the podcast or are you planning to just kind of release them? I think it's that one of the things that I gained from hanging out in lodges and those sorts of things is whoa, whoa, whoa. listening. Back the <laughs> fuck up. What lodges? Uh, we could talk about that another time. But what? 
Oh, the, you the can't main tell benefit is talking OTO is the listening. I mean, and that's what people are going to gain from this too. Is that right. there's there's a, a point of entrance and there's a point of expertise, and at either end, there's a lot to be gained from listening. And so we hit this point where people that we shared this with gained a lot, and so. It's not so pretentious as to think that we're masters or we've got this thing that we're trying to sell, but it's that the movement of YouTube and VR and everything has headed us towards a place where we are going to have people sitting in our living rooms with us, and we want to kind of add to the conversation of that. And I wanted to get into that because you, you are a web designer. Yes. You're a social marketing, uh, how would you put it, manager? Sure. Um, so how is that... What is what is the the to use the word man? I really love this word confluence of uh, that when it comes to like actual one on one kind of you know mystical guru not guru let's say guru list but one on one deepen to the ratitudes you know not the platitudes but deepen into the ratitudes. How is that when you're kind of conforming? someone's identity digitally if that makes sense it's a deep question yeah uh, sometimes work is just work but for right. the most oh i see okay <laughs> but for the most part i really enjoy working with people in the way that you're describing where it is a lot about helping them understand their identity and what it is they're trying to present and that's why i'm so excited to to do podcasting and and all of these individual presentations of mine brother jimbo or any of the other the blogs that you found and they uh they allow me a way to uh, present my experience. And so when I'm interacting with someone who doesn't know how to present their experience or even what experience to present, that's a, a really exciting time for me. It's often really stressful for both of us trying a lot to of get it out. Right? And um, not a lot ends. of understanding of what's required. Right. There's, there's a lot of work that goes into digital presentation. And we were talking, we, we know how to do all... I, I don't really know how to do this. All I mean, of it. But... <laughs> We've been doing it yeah. because of music and because of art. Yes. And so what, what is it with this kind of like facsimile of a community online, you know, rather than say, you know, something like this, where people are adamant about uh, interest instead of actual actualization, I should say. So in social marketing, do you find that to be a, a huge you know, cascading kind of downslope, upslope? Is, is there a heartbeat to it, you know? It is sometimes a, a void yeah. of soullessness. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know how social media can be. I do. The recent study from Facebook is that uh, you have a 1 in 1,500 chance of getting your message to the person on the other side. Motherfucker. And so... It's Zuckerberg. not free advertising. It's very yeah. expensive advertising, but it's the best targeted advertising that's ever been. I just got in a uh, conversation with someone, a, a friend of mine who runs a comic shop here, and he was like, sure. um, I'm done. I'm, I'm done on Facebook. I, you know, I don't need the... I only had this uh, personal Facebook because of the business pages, which is why I did it, mm -hmm. but now I'm enthralled in all ends of it, unfortunately. But... How how does one exist separate in kind of a digital marketplace now? Like how how does one not con like get so fervent and weird about taking shit personally for something that's so digital or just 
you know. I think we have a physical limit. Like they found glucose is the decision maker in the brain and no there's way. a limit to it. So you what? can only make so many decisions in a day. And so it's best to limit those. <clears throat> but I think there's the same thing with emotions. And so emotional control is one of those decisions. And so I found, and That's I think a lot of people find it. Hardest one, probably. Yeah, that yeah, just steering clear of things that are, are too intense for oneself. Like some people really thrive in that, that environment. And, is that good? Isn't there, shouldn't there be heat lit, you know? I think it really Should, depends on the goal. Uh, like, what's well, good for the baseball game is, you know, not good for the for gander. the, for the, gander. <laughs> the baseball game. Wait, finish finish that, finish that metaphor. That, that oh, analogy. just the difference between farming and playing. Oh, and, I see. You know, okay. games don't enjoy the rain. If you build it, and... they will say they're coming, but not actually come on Facebook. <laughs> Um, but decentralized networks of local uh, community, whether that's for food or entertainment or participation. Now, are we, are we behind the times thinking that, or maybe we're just kind of displaced generationally, thinking that we could have a, a happening or a sit-in without needing Facebook or, you know, without needing social marketing? There's a fantastic book called Social Media is Bullshit by B.J. Mendelssohn. I'm already sold. He has a fantastic explanation, which is basically all the people that you read giving social media advice, they're giving social media advice to get a speaking deal at Pepsi. <laughs> That's it. Their advice does not apply to bands. It does not apply to individuals. It applies to corporations. It never applies to art, right? Never. And yeah. so when you go through BJ's project, he gets to the end and he ends up on a speaking tour for like three years because everyone loved his book so much. <laughs> At the very end of this, he put he out... He sold him Pepsi. He, he sold to a lot of corporations, I'm sure. They all said, now what? Okay, we agree. It's bullshit. Now what? And he said, uh, take your client out to a beer. Take a real person that would buy your product and go ask them how their life is and ask them what they need and want and what their struggles are and see if you're actually addressing that. And if you can actually send a message or post content that somehow helps them with that issue, then you're actually succeeding. But if you're just doing it to do it, like a lot of businesses end up doing, I got a Facebook page because this is the new newspaper or right. billboard right. or whatever. It really is. It's a new uh, community kind of outreach. Yeah. You know? But it, 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 does, it does just incessantly feel like a facsimile, you know? facsimile of a handshake that's what it is absolutely but there is you know when you like something or when someone likes something they say you know it releases serotonin it's uh it's a pleasant it's like eating chocolate or cheese i've backed off of facebook and a lot of networks and just focus on the ones that actually are fun for me instagram is still a lot of fun snapchat instagram is kind of the because it is like just art based yeah if you use it absolutely right and not post pictures of your butt all the time. <laughs> Which, I have a separate account for that. <laughs> what was that? Oh, well, I mean, food is something to be celebrated. Not to be rubbed into people's faces, though. You know what I mean? Unless it's a food fight or a clown college. <laughs> or a food fight at a clown college. <laughs> what did you say, Justin? A food fight in a clown college. 
I like what one butt cheek says food fight and the other butt cheek says clown college. That's what I'm going with. Well, because I know you with a capital K. Anyway, so give me give me a rundown what what's what's on the horizon. On the horizon is the podcast that I mentioned, Coffee yeah. and Booze, is what it's called. It's people from all over the world of similar interests. We found each other via social media. So like uh, an Irish coffee, like which is really just a coffee cup full of whiskey. Absolutely, yeah. but. The thing that we came to via, or how we got to that name was via the interaction of us always talking at one another's night or morning. So whenever it's morning for me, my friends in Bali are getting wasted. And and so when we get into these conversations and I'm just waking up and having a cup of coffee and they are completely blasted after a long day of work, (laughs) it's awesome. The things that come out are great. Real quick, when do you, what time of day, what, what stasis do you feel the most creative? Probably the evening, just the evening, quietness, right? yeah, of the late yeah. evening. I feel like either the early morning or the evening. Like if I just yeah. wake up and do it, or if uh, I push myself, sleep paralysis wise, right, and do it. Brother Jimbo, Jimbo Kennedy, everybody, <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. Uh, if we can have just noise. a quick little, he's gonna play a little acoustic thing. Don't don't. Don't, don't. What do you mean? Dead battery. No way. No, not out of battery. You're out of this actual. 15 minutes at a time. Now they keep it track. You're right, 15 minutes. We'll start it again. I'm going to. <laughs> you can tell we run a tight operation. So, yeah, um, I'll let you take it away. For having me, Revel. Hey, uh, go ahead, and it's uh, brotherjimbo.com. Brotherjimbo.com. And coffeeandbooze.com. Coffeeandbooze.com. And headbeast.com. And headbeast.com. And there's one more. Pigchimp.com. Pigchimp.com. 
the best one was last. Thank you, so, Rebel. Thank you, man. Hallowed. Really appreciate it. Everybody 
involved in those past We The Hallowed artistic residencies. Uh, Brian Bruner for supplying this synth track that was recorded live at one that's floating behind me in this kind of transcendental digital hellscape that is his uh, engineered and created custom Eurorack synthesizer. Um, I'd like to thank Logan Ford for helping produce and just kind of organize shit while I had to host and run around with my tail between my legs at these events. Of course, all the guests, including Brother Jimbo and uh, Lloyd Daylight. And please, I'll have links in the description. Uh, Please follow them and urge them, harass them, make them manifest some more of their beautiful art and ideas. Because the only way we truly live on long after we're gone is to haunt on through the art and ideas that we usher in this fraction of a second that is our time under the sun. As Pragmagic is still finding its footing just in formats and, you know, everything that goes with self-producing all this show, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And please, investigate We The Hallowed. It's the little art collective that could and does and will, and I'm very proud to be a part of it. Um, What started as a fever dream has now turned into this, you know, brilliant circus of disparate individual artists uh, connecting, supporting, pushing, and experimenting with um, the weird. Uh, Visit us at wethehallowed.org. This is the part where I tell you to go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash wethehallowed, where you can sign up, subscribe for as little as a dollar a month to get this podcast, future episodes before they're released publicly, Q&A sessions with guests, uh, zines, compilations, and individual members' works of art, as well as their records. And please, by all means, investigate and support this collective. But more importantly, if you fancy yourself a serious student and pray teller of the confluence between metaphysics and art, well then get at me. Pragmagic at gmail.com And hell, maybe you'll get on the podcast to spin your yarn, tell your trick, or... Publish an article at pragmagic.com. Or hell, we might just even become friends. <laughs>